Good morning, everyone. A very warm welcome. It's great to be out today together to worship and meet with God. Hi, my name's Andrew. If we haven't met, I'm one of the leaders here in Harvest Church. Uh, we've got a, a full morning, uh, which we want to get started with, of enjoying, with, uh, enjoying and knowing the presence of God with us, of meeting with him, of being encouraged by his spirit and strengthened by his spirit. There's so much that the Father wants to do this morning. So I'd like to invite you to stand, please. And uh, uh, we, uh, Christine, in a moment, is going to lead us into worship. As we do this, I want to encourage us, if you have a gift of the spirit, a word, a prophecy, a Bible reading, a song, a tongue, interpretation of tongue, please uh, come to the front and get the microphone from me, just because then everybody will be able to hear and uh, let's use those gifts that God's given us that we'd all be strengthened together as we encounter him today. Christine. Psalm 96 says, sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name each day. Proclaim the good news that he saves. So let's do that this morning. Let's praise him. Trust in Jesus without shame and without
light. He walked across the pages of time. He who created everything. Jesus, Son of God.
praises and praises and mighty God. this morning Lord that we want to behold you and we pray for the children the young people now as they go to their own groups that they too will behold you this morning may we see your face may we sense your touch may we know you better be with us we pray Lord and bless the children and those who are with them thank you Lord Psalm 96 continues, honor and majesty surround him, strength and beauty fill his sanctuary, give to the Lord the glory he deserves, bring your offering and come into his courts, worship the Lord in all his holy splendor, let all the earth tremble before him.
Father, we, we're thrilled by your love. We're thrilled by your grace. Your mercy has won our hearts. How great is your love. How amazing. Life transforming. And we just want to say thank you, Lord. With all that we have, we want to thank you. With all that you've given us, with all that you've made us, we want to surrender it all to you and say, we want to live for you. Help us, Lord. Give us your spirit that we would know your power. Powerful at uh, living out our faith day by day. That you would be glorified. Our great desire is your kingdom come, your will be done, you be glorified, Lord, above all other things, above everything in our lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We worship you. Amen. Amen. Please, if you haven't taken your seat, please grab your seat. That'd be great. Thank you, Ben. Thank you for leading us so well. Okay, um, Mark, Pam, are you ready to come and join me? For those of you who don't know Mark and Pam, Mark and Pam have been part of this church for 20 years? 17 years, not quite 20. You guys, um, and uh, during their time part of this church, Mark's been an elder for a time. Uh, Mark and Pam have done some preaching and teaching in the church. Pam's been a worship leader in, in the church. They've led life groups, and I'm sure there's a whole. Have you led life group? No. Oh, you've overseen life groups. Yes. Okay. Close. And uh, I'm sure there's a whole load of other things. But you know what? I just wonderful people. They're wonderful, lovely people, and we've loved having them part of us for the last 17 years, but today is the day where we need to say goodbye. Do you want to tell us more? I'm... Am I on? Yes, I you am are. on. <laughs> I don't really want to tell us more. This is a really hard Sunday. Um, those of you who do know, and I guess about half of the room, you don't know us, so forgive us, um, but we moved to Cornwall in October 21 and still work in the southeast that's been a bit challenging um and we've kind of come to the place now where we need to be based more in helston where we live rather than moving between the two and so i'm actually finishing work in hampshire this week which is really hard and um and so we're i will only be coming back to hampshire if i'm invited <laughs> to see friends um, There's a hint there, folks. <laughs> please invite us, yes. Um, Mark will continue to work um, and be moving up and down, but um, we won't have a base probably in Hampshire for, for after the next couple of months. So so this, this kind of feels like au revoir, but for those of you who are our friends, we will keep in touch, and please keep in touch with us. And we really wanted to make this not about what we're doing, but about saying thank you and how much we have appreciated all the love and support that you've given us over the years. 
um, particularly Pete and Demi for being our amazing life group leaders, um, and to Andrew and Emma for all the opportunities you've particularly given me to explore my gifting. That has been such a privilege. But this is really hard to say this is the last time that I'm planning to be here. So just love you guys. You are an amazing group of people and we love you really very dearly. Um, can I, I know I'm taking Sean's time, I want to be really, can I just tell a tiny little story? Because um, I remember year, about four or five years ago, I was on a train, on my train, which is the 550-49 going up to London Waterloo. And um, we had one of those particularly chipper, um, what do they call them? Not, not a guard, uh, there's another name now, but anyway, I'm sure Thomas will know. Uh, and he did, the, he did that thing where he goes, uh, Woking, this is Woking. For anyone unfortunate enough to want to get off at Woking, this is Woking. And it went all the way through to Waterloo. It arrived at Waterloo a dark and dreary Monday morning in December. And he said, he said folks, this is the end of the line. It's been an emotional one. So I'll play you this. So he played the bright side of life. <laughs> Monday morning. I, I have never forgotten it. I guess two things. Um, we're on a journey. And, um, you know, this, our journey is just, we're on a journey and we've traveled together. And we're continuing to journey, but we're in, just in a different place. And I suppose as I thought about that, the things that make our journey memorable are the people that we're with and where we're going. Two things. So, we're, you know, we walk together and it's who we walk with that transfigures our journey. And I just want to thank you. Because it's an emotional one. <laughs> uh, thank you for walking with us. Uh, and uh, just to reiterate what Pam said, we are grateful for your love and your care and how you've helped us. So, uh, and we're on a journey and we'll keep journeying. So thank you all very, very much. Wonderful. Wow, guys. It's, uh, we've loved journeying with you. We're, as you think you're aware, doing a preaching series called Walking with God at the moment. And we just want to recognize these are your steps with God. And we're thrilled with that. So we want to pray a prayer of blessing over you. Em, sorry, I didn't ask you, but would you mind joining us? <laughs> Emma loves me for the amount of notice I give her on things. <laughs> so, uh, we, we'll, we'll lead you in prayer, but please reach out. Let's pray for them. And, co and come and pray for them afterwards. Words of encouragement for them afterwards as well. Uh, that would be really special. So Mark and Pam, we bless you with the love of God. May you know his grace for great change in these days. May you know his spirit guiding and directing you through each step as he has over these last few years. May his peace surround you in the midst of change and what can sometimes feel like turmoil. We love you and we bless you and we send you with our prayers and our love to be 
lights in Helston as part of the church you've come part of down there in that community to see his kingdom come, his will be done. Bless you. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Mark and Pam. We don't want to let them go. We want to keep them. We love them, Lord Jesus, but you've got more for them and you want to bless them and there are more people to be blessed through them. I pray you'd be with them. You'd comfort them. You'd encourage them. You'd strengthen them. I pray for their home, their work, their family, Lord Jesus, all areas of their life, that they'd see you and they'd be so excited about the plans that you had for them, Lord Jesus, and, and the story and the journey that they're on, Lord Jesus, that you would be very near to them and they would hear your voice so clearly. Amen. So, can we just applaud them as they pursue God? Um, just give them a card which we've signed as elders, but, yeah, guys, give them hugs, give them love. And, uh, guys, there's a gift in there so you can plant something in your garden in memory. <laughs> okay, uh, one other bit of news. It's a happy birthday because we love to celebrate those decade birthdays when... They start getting quite big, and uh, last Thursday it was Tony's birthday, so we just want to say happy 90th, Tony. Can't believe you're 90, but fantastic. A very happy birthday to you. Morning, folks. Um, my name's Sean. I'm part. <laughs> part of the leadership team here at Harvest Church, and uh, as mentioned, we are carrying out a series, walking with God. And today we come to the Bible. Um, now, Bible is one of those central parts of walking with God. You know, it helps us so much. And we're going to dig into that a little bit today, um, why the Bible is central to walking with God. But uh, as I was preparing this, I was reminded, taken right back to my early teenage years, um, going to church with my mum. She had a, a friend called Lynn who also went to church. Um, Lynn had a a husband who wasn't a Christian, didn't come to church, but he, he commented to Lynn this. He said, uh, I need to get myself a book like yours. It's one that you never seem to finish, that you never get tired of, and that you seem to get so much out of. And of course, he was referring to the Bible. It's not a book to read once and put on a shelf. It's a book to to grow, dig into day in, day out. And that's what Lynn did, and that's what her, her husband saw and commented on. But what is the Bible? Well, let's uh, look at a few facts first. It was written between 1500 BC and roughly 96 AD. 
So finished almost 2,000 years ago. It consists of 66 books, was written by 40-plus authors. It was written in three languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. It described multiple cultures through many different countries. It is definitely a historical document, and it is the all-time best-selling book ever and continues to be. So those are some facts, but what's, what about the contents? It talks about the creation of the world, how God spoke the world, the universe into existence, the, the sun, the moon, the sky, the sea, the earth, fish, birds, animals, and mankind. It then describes how their God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden, but they sinned, and therefore the fall happened, and they were cast out because of sin. It talks about the calling of Abraham and a nation, the nation of Israel. It goes into great detail through four Gospels describing Jesus, the Son of God, his birth, his life, and his death on a cross that men and women might be saved. And then it goes on to describe the early church, the challenges and the issues. Almost everyone could read the Bible and get that from it. Those are, that's in the Bible. Some might argue whether it was actually historically correct or not, but that's what's in it. But what do we believe? What should we believe about the Bible? We're going to start then by looking at a passage of Scripture. Apologies, it's a little small. Um, but this is written by Paul to Timothy, a young man who uh, Paul the Apostle was uh, you know, watching over and teaching and bringing up. And Paul wrote this to Timothy. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now this is the really important bit, these next two verses. All Scripture, that is the Bible itself, the whole of the Bible is god breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Not just some of the Bible, not pick and choose, but all of Scripture is there to help us walk a closer walk with God. To walk with God, we therefore need to invest time in the Bible. But before looking at how we do that, and looking a little bit more at the Bible, I've got two points, and I've, I've titled them 
divine inspiration. The first one is this, that although the Bible had 40 plus authors, actually it is inspired by God, by the Holy Spirit. The whole Bible, we believe, inspired by the Holy Spirit. He gave divine revelation to each of the authors. So it's not just a collection of 40 plus authors over all those hundreds of years, but actually God himself is speaking into every part of it. The second point I wanted to make, the Holy Spirit helps us to understand the Bible. So the Holy Spirit inspired the Bible, but we know that the Holy Spirit dwells within those who are saved. And even those who don't know Jesus yet as Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit is speaking into your life, bringing challenges, and he helps us to understand the truths in the Bible. Okay, so beyond the history, beyond the content, beyond the, what virtually everybody in the world would agree was in there, what's the Bible really about? Why do we need it? I've got three points. First one, the Bible is a revelation of who God is. So what do I mean by that? We see in the Bible that God who is described in there as the creator God. He created all things. In the beginning, there was nothing and God spoke and the universe and all we see came into existence. That tells us about the planet and the universe, but actually it tells us something about God. It tells us about his incredible power, how he just spoke and things came into being. But more, we learn more in the Bible, he desires a personal relationship with mankind. So going all the way back to Genesis, Adam and Eve, it says that God walked with them in the Bible. In, in the garden, sorry. God walked with them in the garden. He did say it in the Bible. In God desires a relationship. We see it all through the Bible. God desiring a relationship with men and women. He's not aloof. He wants to come and be, imper- be personally involved in our lives. This is the kind of God he is. We also understand that he is eternal and unchanging. The Bible describes as him being there in the beginning and will forever be. Now, we can't really get that into our heads at all. Um, I, I, I often think of it as a bit of a, like a computer thing, you know, where, you, where you've got your basic computer and it's trying to do something. It says, not enough commu- computing power, not enough memory. We, we, we can't contain the truths of God in our small created heads. But the Bible tells us that he is eternal and that he is unchanging. It also tells us that he is merciful and just and that he loves, that he is a loving God. 
but he hates sin. He has to deal with sin. And how did he deal with sin? He dealt with sin through Jesus on the cross. So the Bible is a revelation of who the creator God is. Moving on then, the Bible describes how God interacts with men and women throughout history. Talks about how God first walked with Adam and Eve, and then even after they'd sinned and God had to put them out of the garden, how God covered them, he provided clothing for them. Talks about how God called Abraham to leave his home and to move to a distant land. And Abraham then became the nation of Israel and how God uh, spent, you know, interacted with that nation. Talks about how God called Moses and how God guided Moses to lead his people out of slavery. How God anointed David to be king over Israel. And obviously, the four Gospels on how Jesus personally, face-to-face, interacted with men, women, and children at that time. So the Bible describes God's interaction with mankind. And then thirdly, and just as importantly, the Bible is a handbook for life. Now, when you buy a nice new flashy car, especially one of these uh, ones with huge screens that you have to press multiple buttons, uh, how are you supposed to do that and drive at the same time? I don't know. But it comes with a manual. Now, for something complicated like a car, a manual is important, isn't it? We need to know what all the little pressy buttons do and the 30 screens you've got to go through to get your seat to turn cold again or those kind of things. But also when it goes wrong, we need to know, well, oh, I should have put some liquid in for the washer because it's run out of liquid. These kind of things are found in a manual. And a car is quite complicated. But let me tell you, having a manual for something as incredible as a human is essential. And the Bible is our handbook for how to do life, how we interact with God, uh, how we get to know him, how to be like him, but it also describes how we are to live with others, how we're to love them, to be generous, and to help others see who God is. So a handbook for life. Okay, so the Bible is very, very old. You might be thinking, is it relevant today? I mean, there's Google. There's all sorts of, there's Facebook and things. Actually, there's so much other stuff to look at, but is the Bible relevant? Thousands of years old, written in three different languages that most of us don't know. Different cultures that we can we would probably struggle to understand. So is it relevant? I would argue yes, absolutely. Because although 
separated by thousands of years, we are fundamentally the same. You see, we can lie like Abraham when he stood before Pharaoh. We can lust like King David when he saw Bathsheba bathing on the roof. We can reject Jesus like Peter did when Jesus had been arrested. We suffer hardship like Paul did. We struggle with money like the rich young man in the Gospels. We get sick like Lazarus. We endure the death of loved ones like Naomi and Ruth. And maybe we even have enemies, a bit like Gideon. We are fundamentally the same as the people described in the Bible. Also, most of the things the Bible deals with are the same today. We still have the same human desires, the same struggles, the same doubts. We can still be disobedient. We can get ill and we still have family issues. All these things dealt with in the Bible. So then how should we understand and apply the Bible today? See, even if we're not doing a degree in biblical theology or some other in-depth study of the Bible or maybe writing a book on the Bible, there are still a few basics in understanding and applying the Bible today. Firstly, we do need to be aware that there are cultural and historic differences. As I've mentioned, the Bible was thousands of years ago, different culture, different time, different languages. And some things cannot be directly applied today. So we can't really apply directly the teaching on animal sacrifices. We can't go, well, I've sinned, so therefore I need to take two doves and get them chopped up down at the local temple. That is not, we cannot apply that directly into our lives. We don't apply specifically eating or whether we should eat or not foods offered to idols. But other things can be. So the Bible says, do not but murder. Apply that. Tells us that we are to love God and our neighbors. We can apply that, can't we? Moving on then, if we are to understand more fully the Bible, we need what is called good interpretation. That means that we need to deal with the historical, cultural, and language issues required. So we need, it may be, and it probably is, that someone else will do this for us. But actually what needs to happen is that the, the Bible needs to be translated and understood. Um, so what do we do here? Firstly, we can look at different translations of the Bible. Maybe you didn't know 
that different translations help you to see different aspects, to understand passages more clearly. So there are a multitude of Bible translations, and they range from uh, what would would be called literal translations. So an example of this is the King James Version. And this is so literally translated so that it that you lose a little bit of the original meaning in the Bible. Then there's what's called the dynamic, and we tend to use that across the church. Most of us, the New International Version, which I've been, I've displayed up here, passages from, but this is called a dynamic version. So there's a little, the the interpreter has brought a little bit of understanding to it to help uh, the readers comprehend a little bit more what was actually been meant or understood at the time and then moving all the way down to what's called a free or a paraphrase version uh, there's a few of these around there's one called the message so it kind of brings it into contemporary language um, maybe easier to st- understand but we might lose a little bit of what was actually meant we can also use commentaries they help us to understand the culture and history and language barriers Biblical dictionaries help us to understand the places and meaning of words. A concordance that we would actually be able to see what a word meant and how it could be pronounced. And then there are obviously countless study books around. We can listen to people telling us about the Bible. Sermons. And we can have Bible study groups. All these are ways of getting to good interpretation of what the Bible means. Thirdly, then, good application. You see, interpretation is good, but it is absolutely pointless without good application. To paraphrase the writer and preacher John Stott, he he said, Our preaching can fail to build a bridge into the modern world. It is biblical, but not contemporary. You see, if we're stood up here preaching, we're not training historians, but disciples. We need to take the same care in applying the Bible as we do interpreting it. So, how do we apply Scripture? We're going to look at three steps to applying the Bible. Now, this is something I've picked up. It may not, doesn't have to be the only way of doing things, but uh, firstly, it is vital we interpret the original meaning correctly. So, who was it written to? You know, if it's X thousands of years ago, what was the culture they were living in? What did they understand from what was written? How would they have interpreted it and applied it to their own lives? And also, what was their relationship with God like at the time? Because their relationship with God might have a great bearing on what was actually written or done at the time. If God was interacting with a nation at the time, were they in rebellion to God? Or was it that they were close, drawing close to him? Small details can make a big difference. So, for example, a very basic detail. Before 
Jesus was crucified, he went and stayed in a little village called Bethany. It's just outside Jerusalem. It's just another village, isn't it? But actually, if you know that it was the place where the lambs were taken to and kept before they were taken up to Jerusalem to be sacrificed, you see something more in it. Jesus was actually in the same place as the sacrificial lambs. Now, that might not be a big thing, but at the time, to maybe to the disciples, they would have seen that and understood that actually Jesus was there declaring, I am to be sacrificed. I am a sacrificial lamb. Small details. Understand the original meaning. Okay, moving on then. Is there a general principle? So having understood the original meaning of a passage of Scripture, we may be wondering what we do with it. As I mentioned earlier, much of Scripture cannot be applied literally into our lives. A very simple example, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5, Paul writes this, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Now, I'm assuming that there are no slaves here. Albeit there may be a few parents that might feel that they are slaves to their children. If we're not slaves, do we ignore Paul's teaching? Doesn't apply. No. We are to obey. See, there's a general principle here in that we are to obey those in authority over us. So we've taken a passage of Scripture. We haven't applied it directly, but we've seen what Paul was getting at to the Ephesians, that actually we, when we are to obey those in authority over us. So that might be those who, you know, an employer. So we're employee, okay? So the teaching, or so applying it to our own lives, the teaching of the Bible is for us today. It helps us to be more like Jesus and show his love to others. It helps us in following the leading of the Holy Spirit and to glorify God. So as an employee, we are to respect and honor our employer, obey those in authority over us, application in our own lives. I want to go and take one further example before I bring this to a close. The ox. For those of you who are unsure, it is a large cattle animal. It says in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 25, verse 4, Do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. Very useful. If you are a farmer here, I'd like you to put up your hand if you use an ox to tread out your grain. Mm, none. Because if you do, don't muzzle it. Clear teaching. Now, Paul didn't have an ox, though he had probably seen them treading out grain. 
Paul is arguing against those who think he is a freeloader who shouldn't be supported for others, supported by others as he goes about his apostolic ministry. And he wrote this. One Corinthians nine, seven to twelve. Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat its grapes? Who tends the flock and does not drink the milk? Do I say this merely on human authority? Doesn't the law say the same thing? For it is written in the law of Moses, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. Is it about oxen that God is concerned? Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Yes, this was written for us, because whoever plows and and threshes should be able to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? If others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? So Paul understood the original text. He knew what it meant for an ox to be treading out the grain and for the ox not to be muzzled. But Paul also saw the general principle here, that God wants a worker to receive an appropriate wage, whether it's an ox, those who plough and thresh, all are worth their pay, and then he applied it specifically to his own life. Those who reap a spiritual harvest through preaching, comforting, shepherding, are worth their pay. In his argument, a material harvest from spiritual work. So fair pay for a fair day's work. Definitely applicable to our country at the moment. So let's start to draw things to a close. It's not just an historical book, but is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit guides us in our understanding and application. The Bible reveals God, the creator, to us. What he's like and how he treats mankind and why. It's our handbook. It's relevant. How do we do life each day? How do we become more like Christ? Work out right from wrong. The Bible is our handbook. Good interpretation and application. Whether we dig deeply into the Bible ourselves or listen to others who have, the correct application of Scripture is vital. And then finally, I want to leave you with a couple of questions. Maybe you look at these in your life group. This is an interesting one. Does culture direct your view of the Bible or the Bible, your view of culture. How do you know if culture is right or wrong? What do you judge it against? What if culture changed? How would you react? What if you moved culture? Would you agree with the new culture or your old one? You see, we need to allow God's word to shape our view of culture and not the other way around. And in the coming weeks, we're going to be looking a little bit more at the big issues in our culture as we look at things like sexuality and gender in the coming weeks. 
does culture direct your view of the Bible or the Bible your view of culture? Can close there. Thank you, Sean. As Sean was uh, speaking, I, I felt I had a picture. And uh, I guess it's not something we commonly see now unless it's um, perhaps we're visiting an open-air museum. But uh, I was reminded of the work of a blacksmith. And uh, you go to the, the smithy where they are hammering into shape a piece of metal. And it takes time, it takes heat, it takes energy, the hammering, it takes a process of hammer, heating, cooling, ham, or whatever. Don't ask me how it actually works. Um, but the, the point is there's a process in the smith shop to make something which can often be something of great beauty. And I want to encourage us to be smiths of the word, wordsmiths. People who engage with the word of God, who genuinely engage with it. Don't just do the superficial bit, but allow it to shape our lives. That we go and we surrender ourselves in God's smith shop, where his word shapes us and molds us and builds character into us and develops us and causes us to become a a thing of beauty for God's glory. And with that in mind, if that's your desire too, I'd like to encourage you to stand now. And we're going to ask God to come and minister to us by his spirit to help us to be people who take hold of the word of God and live it out, understand it and live it out. Let it shape our hearts, our lives, every aspect of who we are. Now, why don't you tell the Father where you're at? You may be thinking, I don't know how to do this, but I want it. Well, tell your loving Heavenly Father that. He knows your needs. He knows what your desires are. Express them to him now, and then I'll pray for us. Father, we often use the phrase, we want to be a people of the word and a people of your spirit. And we do genuinely want that. And we know the two go hand in hand together. And so, Father, I pray for my friends here. Lord, help each one of us to be wordsmiths, to uh, let your word uh, shape and define our lives while being led by your spirit. Help us, Lord. Empower us, Lord. Guide and direct us, loving Heavenly Father, that your word would shape us and mold us into things of great beauty for you and glory and honour to you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen.
Amen. Please stay standing a moment. Uh, we're we're going to bring things to a conclusion, but I just want to mention a couple of things. First of all, uh, tonight we have a church meeting. That is for anybody who considers themselves part of Harvest Church or who is looking in and thinking, maybe I'd like to find out more about Harvest Church. It's 7.30 here in this building, in this space, 7.30 this evening. Uh, we've got some really significant news we're wanting to share and we'd love to encourage you if you're able to be out, even if it's only perhaps half of a couple because you've got children at home and childcare and all that sort of stuff, we understand that. But uh, if you're able to be out uh, tonight, that would be wonderful, 7.30 here in this auditorium. And if you're a guest with us uh, today, uh, we'd just love to connect with you. We have these packs, uh, that we call them welcome packs, they're on the table over there, or you can come and get this one from me. Within it is a card you can fill in with your details. And, that, and there's an offering box on the table, you can put those in. Uh, we'd love to have your, uh, that information, but actually even more, we'd love to meet you. So why not come and just have a chat with either myself or Sean or Nathan, who's one of the other elders here, or Rob or uh, other folk, as we'd love to get to know you. And uh, 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 we can also answer any questions you've got in that same process. So that's it for this morning. Thank you so much for being out. Um, Children's work has just finished, so if I can urge parents, please, to go and grab your children as soon as possible. That would be really helpful. Bless you. Look forward to seeing you this evening. Thank you.